0: This radio show is prepared by Brent and Scott Bullis, who are registered portfolio managers with Hollis Wealth, a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. This radio show is not an official program of Hollis Wealth. The views, including any recommendations expressed during this show, are those of Brent and Scott Bullis alone, and are not endorsed or approved by Hollis Wealth or Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a registered trademark of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc., Hollis Wealth is a division of Industrial Line Securities, Inc., a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund, CIPF, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. And now, The Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260.
1: Good morning and welcome to The Investment Strategy Show. For the second weekend here in August, I'm Adam Pfizer. Now, normally in this space, we talk about current market movements and how we're interpreting the tea leaves of what's going to happen with your money and your investments. But as you found out last week, the show is coming to an end in three short weeks. And we really feel that our time would be better used talking about some more timeless implications, things that affect everyone at all times. So although there was a lot to talk about in the markets this week, Turkey had a major blow up, markets were down slightly, currencies were all over the place... We feel most of this will be forgotten in three to six months. And what won't be forgotten are the three biggest financial decisions most people make. And that's what we're going to look at on this week's show. So in our first segment here, we're going to talk about purchasing your first home. In segment two, we'll talk about how to help and how not to help out your children. And we're going to finish the show off with the biggest decision of all, of course, which is retirement and how you can get ready for that. But to get started, let's talk about buying a home. Now, for many Canadians, homeownership is a major dream. It's seen as a way to really create wealth and stability in one's life and to really announce that you're now an adult. Unfortunately, homeownership isn't all it's cracked up to be a lot. Like all investments, it does offer some advantages, but it has many disadvantages. The first big advantage homeownership offers is that it's actually a leveraged investment. This is, of course, the idea that you are going to take out a mortgage, generally in the area of 90% of the value of your asset, to buy your home. If I offered people the same offer for stocks, they would never do it. But with homes, we are comfortable taking out large amounts of money. So this gets you into the home quicker and allows you to start building equity. Now, the second advantage of homeownership is that it gives you the opportunity to put in some sweat equity. Many people enjoy updating and upgrading their homes both for their own enjoyment, but to also increase the resale value at a later date. Uh, Many people, rather than getting a second job or furthering their education to gain promotions with their current job, spend their time on weekends, evenings doing exactly this, They get some enjoyment out of it, get to show off for their friends, and at the end of the day, it's a way to generate a little extra money, hopefully, when you go to sell the house. Now for the downsides of homeownership. And the first one is that mortgage you took out when you bought, and of course, the fact that there is interest on it. There's also the fact that you have property taxes to pay, much higher utility bills, much higher maintenance costs, and you have to put a lot of energy into maintenance as well. It's not just the projects you enjoy, it's mowing the lawn every two days. It's making sure you shovel the walk, it's having to get a new furnace when that one breaks. All these costs, all these energies go into your home, and it really zaps investing the investing power of the house. So if there's multitudes of downside as well as some upside, why is it such a prevalent myth in our society? Why do we all believe that owning a home is a great way to build wealth? Well, first of all, it's important to note that there was a time when it was a much better investment. Many people who came from, say, Europe had l- experienced a limited amount of land. There just wasn't a lot of space per person, which meant owning land was a great way to build wealth because there was always someone who would want to buy it from you. That's just not the case in Canada. We have a lot of land and not that many people. Second of all, you ended up in a situation where interest rates, as we mentioned on the show before, started going down in about 1981. And that's really when home prices started to become going up. And as we've mentioned, home prices go up as interest rates go down. So we've had 37 years of interest rates going down, which has led to 37 years relatively where home home prices have increased, appreciated. This means that our entire parents' generation has not really experienced a dramatic downturn in housing crisis that lasted any length of time. Yes, house prices maybe went down for one or two years during a recession, but they always came back and came back promptly. This has led to a belief that that's how real estate normally acts. That's simply not the case. When you look at some of the older countries, older cities around the world, there's plenty of examples of places where real estate has actually been depressed for many, many years. The peak real price, when you adjust the price for inflation, in the city of Vienna, for example, happened in 1918. Since 1918, owning real estate in Vienna has been a one-way move, heading lower. That's a long time to sit with a piece of property in your family over many generations and never get back to what you could have gotten for it 100 years ago. Now, over the last 50 years in Canada, you should expect a return of about 2%. But let's remember, that's 2% before you paid the interest on your mortgage, your property taxes, or the maintenance on the home, which means that actually most Canadians lose money on their property at the end of it. As an example of this, if you bought a home in Edmonton 10 years ago for $500,000 with a 10% down payment, the value of that home today, according to the Terranet Home Price Index, would be about $517,000. Now assuming you got a 10 year closed rate mortgage over a 20 year amortization at that time, you didn't make any extra payments on the mortgage in those 10 years because it was closed, you couldn't, you've paid $228,000 in interest and you've only paid off $159,000 in principal. Just to reiterate that, you've paid $228,000 of interest over the last 10 years. All these numbers come from the TD online mortgage calculator, so you can go ahead and check my math and work it out on your own. The fact is, is when you consider that $228,000 of interest, plus the property taxes every year, the increased housing costs from utility spend, as well as maintenance expenses, it's pretty clear your investment really hasn't paid off over the last 10 years here in Edmonton in any way, shape, or form. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't own a home. It just means you shouldn't own a home for financial reasons. If you're thinking you're going to get a great deal and build wealth, there are much, much better ways to do it. In the financial community, we view homeownership as essentially a forced savings plan with an interest penalty. That's right, a penalty. It forces you to save because most Canadians are better at paying down debt than they are at saving money. So when you pay down the mortgage, you are accumulating some savings, but there's a penalty involved, which is that interest. But if you really want to own a home, if you don't trust yourself to save the money every month, the best things you can do are always to put at least 20% down. 20% down payment not only reduces the amount of mortgage you take on, which reduces your interest payments, it's also the threshold for where you don't have to pay for mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance is one5 to 2% of the value of your home every year. That's a big savings on a, bit on a house like that. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars over the life of your mortgage if you just have a 20% down payment. You of course should put extra money on the mortgage whenever you can. And that way you don't end up with the interest costs. Ask your bank when you're signing the mortgage paperwork, is there an amount per year you can put on the mortgage? Is there a window you can make a deposit on the mortgage? Also be aware of when you're going to refinance, because if your mortgage ends, if you're on a five-year mortgage and you get to the end of the five years, you can put as much as you want against your house. And then after all you've done that, ask yourself a simple question. After all household costs, including utilities, internet, maintenance, taxes, insurance on the home, everything all in is that 30% or less of my take-home income. If it's more than 30% of your take-home income, and the banks will happily give you way more than 30%, by the way, if it's more than that number, you will feel very house poor. You will not only end up not making a ton of money, but you'll end up being pretty disappointed in your purchase as you end up sitting in a house that's too big for you, most likely, too expensive, and really takes away from the rest of your life. So to sum up, home ownership has some sentimental advantages. It's a great place to raise a family, put down roots. It helps you to really create some memories, but it is a really terrible financial idea in the vast majority of places in the world. It simply suffers from having too much costs, particularly when it's mortgage, taxes, and maintenance, and not enough benefit when the long-term return is only 2% a year. In the second segment, I'm going to move on now to talk about how you should help your kids, how you shouldn't help your kids, and why it matters so much for most of our clients
2: you're listening to the investment strategy show with brant and scott bullis a special financial broadcast on tsn 1260 we'll get right back to it after this TSN 1260 presents the Montorio Homes Green and Gold kickoff and postgame shows. One hour before the teams take the field, Matthew Iwanek and Hernan Salas get you set for the game with the Montorio Homes Green and Gold kickoff show, bringing you the key matchups and the biggest stories. Once the final whistle goes, tune in to the Montorio Homes Green and Gold postgame show as we take your calls and break down the action. The Montorio Homes Green and Gold kickoff and postgame shows only on Edmonton Sports Leader TSN. 1260. You know how great it feels to live that unlimited life, to text your thumbs off, to binge that whole show, to go all out on all you can eat? With the CIBC Smart Account, you can get that feeling too because you get unlimited banking. That's unlimited purchases, withdrawals, even unlimited Interact e-transfers. All your banking, all for a cap fee, all to help you live your best unlimited life. The CIBC Smart Account. Open an account today and earn $300. Conditions apply. Visit CIBC.com slash smart to learn more. Every year, Neitz's Pizza on Y Road in Sherwood Park throws a family picnic to support the Stollery Children's Hospital. And this year, a special Stollery kid, Sierra. She's always wanted to build a memory garden with her mom, and we're going to help her do that. Join Neitz's Pizza for bouncy castles, horse rides, a silent auction, 50-50, and a great day out for the whole family at Bedrock Farms near Beaumont on September 8th. Check out the silent auction at Neatsa's on Y Road and get all the details at neatsa'spizza.ca.
1: Tile & Stone Source is the place to start your tile renovation. You wanted a different tile store and we are. With free design advice, expertise, fresh ideas, and more than just
0: tile. Tile & Stone Source is where ideas are born, designs are drawn, and homes made. Our spacious showroom, tile costs, and approach to service is changing the model of how you buy tile. Start your tile renovation with us today. Visit us online at TileStoneSource.com
1: or on the corner of 153rd Street and 111th Ave.
2: Welcome back to The Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Here's your financial coaches, Brent and Scott Bullis.
1: Welcome back to The Investment Strategy Show. I'm your host this week, Adam Pfizer. And this being our third last show ever, we have decided, of course, to talk about the big financial issues many people face. In segment one, we kind of covered off on how to purchase a home and why you should or shouldn't take that investment. And in the second segment here, we're going to really talk about the next major step people take, which is, of course, having children. And what are the do's and don'ts financially when it comes to kids? So there are a few really great things you can do for your children from a financial standpoint. Uh, First of all, the one that the vast majority of people have heard of, I'm sure, is an RESP. For many parents, ensuring the success of their children is going to be priority number one. In the today's world, that often means making sure that they have the option, the choice, to go to any post-secondary education they want. And RESPs are designed for exactly this. The major advantage of an RESP that many people have heard of is that the government does do a grant. So essentially, for every $500 you put in, you get $100 from the government, tax-free, straight into the account, it grows. And then when your child's ready to go off to university, college, whatever they choose, the money's there for them to spend. Now it's worth noting that there's a lifetime contribution limit of $50,000 per child, which means the most you can put into account is $50,000. And there's a lifetime RESP grant maximum from the government of $7,200. So the government is not gonna give more than $7,200 in grants per child to your family. This means actually in many circumstances you are better putting more money in earlier, getting as much grant money as you can, but making sure you top up the account so that you get to that $50,000 contribution limit, lifetime contribution limit, prior to your kid getting to be 18. The longer the money is protected, grows tax-free, and ensures that there's a compounding effect every year, the more money your child will have for education. Now this is a great way to make, teach your kids about money. It allows you to show them that the $100 they could have gotten in toys when they were three or four turned into thousands of dollars for education later on. It's a sacrifice at the time that produces a long-term gain for them. It's also a really good way to show that sometimes you don't really have to think about things. Taking stuff like birthday gifts, Christmas presents, and turning it into an RESP for the kids is a great way to show them that their life didn't really suffer very much and they ended up with a great reward. The next great benefit parents often have with kids as you're talking about the RSP is of course to just talk about money. We have many, many clients that have attempted to or not attempted to, depending on their disposition, talk to kids about money. The one thing that unifies all of them is they really didn't like the conversation. It's pretty important you get comfortable with it. In one study, respondents who reported having money talks to their parents were considerably more likely to have zero debt. In fact, only about 33% of people who talked about money with parents had debt whereas compared to 66% of respondents who had not talked about money. If you ask your parents for money often, that's probably because they didn't talk to you about how money worked when you were younger. In the same study, respondents who had money talks to their parents were far less likely to ask them for money later on in life And rated savings as being far more important than any number of purchases, including vacations, video games, and TVs. So essentially talking to kids about money, making it clear that it's not an infinite supply in the household, and that money works in a way that it can produce short-term or long-term results, depending on what you want, It's a real advantage for children, not just at the time, but over their whole life. These habits develop young. There's a reason why they try and give every kid a credit card at a university campus, because once you get into that debt cycle, you become very, uh, it's very difficult to get out of it. As parents, we can counteract that. Let's always remember that if we decide not to talk to our kids about money, that is still a choice. And making that choice leaves a vacuum. That vacuum will be filled by their friends, the internet, people who don't have their best interests at heart. So it's important that we have a conversation amongst our family about what money is, how it works, and what it does. And to be honest, if you need some help, please contact your advisor. Contact the Investment Strategies team. We'd be happy to lay out some ground rules for you talk to you about what you can do to help your kid learn about money in a way that sets them up for a really successful financial life. So an RESP and talking to kids about money are great examples of what you can do to help your child. Now here's what you can't do that really hurts both the parent and the child in the long run. The first thing we really see, do not become your child's emergency bank account. A lot of clients end up in a situation where their children aren't saving enough, something comes up, a car needs a repair, a house needs a new water heater, whatever it might be, and they are the first phone call the child decides to ask their parents for money over and over again. Now let's be clear, we're not saying don't give your kid any money. If it happens once, sure, accidents happen, that's fine. But if it's happening every three months, there's clearly something you need to talk to your kid about. You need to make it clear that you also don't have all an infinite amount of money. That at some point, this is really impacting your savings, your ability to retire, and your lifestyle. So don't allow yourself to become that bank account. Really set some boundaries. The next big thing to discuss is paying for a wedding. Kids nowadays, well, I tell you, uh, weddings have gotten a little ridiculous. Anyone who has an Instagram feed can tell you that they are very elaborate. They're very large and not surprisingly become very expensive. $50,000, $60,000 is not out of the ordinary. In fact, the most recent number from out of the United States anyways, is that weddings average 38000 US dollars. That's about 50 grand Canadian and that is the average. So there's plenty that are a lot more. If you are thinking of helping pay for your child's wedding, there's nothing wrong with that. But make sure you put in how much you can actually afford, not how much they ask for. Make sure you understand that you don't necessarily get any say over the wedding for your money. Or if you do want to say, if you really want them to get married in a church, for example, that they understand that getting the money from you is part of that deal. And finally, make sure you've worked it into your financial projections so that it doesn't have a huge impact on your finances going forward. You should never be putting $30,000 on a credit card to give to your daughter so she can pay for her wedding. That is not a good plan. And then finally, the last thing we really uh, advise clients not to do helping pay a debt for a down payment for a home in many cities toronto vancouver especially this is a big deal right now the problem in these situations typically is that parents assume and that's a bad word obviously but they assume that they're going to get that money back That once the children move into their home they'll have extra funds that they're not putting towards rent and at some point in the future they will get the down payment repaid to them in our experience and Brett and scott have a lot of it this is never the case Uh, owning a home as we talked about in segment one is very expensive almost certainly more expensive than renting and what we often see is kids just say to their parents, I know you gave me 50 dollars $70,000, $100,000 for my down payment. I'm not going to be able to pay you back. Take it off my inheritance. This is a huge problem because if you are looking at trying to pay for retirement, having an inheritance is not necessarily something that's going to happen anyways. And if you don't have those funds to save for your retirement, you now are in a, tra- in a situation where your child's going to have to help you out, which probably wasn't clearly communicated either. So a down payment is probably not a great, savings tool for your child anyways. If they cannot save up enough for a down payment, they're probably not ready for home ownership. So to recap, helping a kid your children out financially is an admirable goal and one we encourage. You should definitely look at RESP savings and talking to kids about money and what it means. What you shouldn't do is become an ATM for them. Do not allow them to call you with every emergency. Don't give a blank check for a wedding date. And whatever you do, don't just say, you know what, I really think you should own a home, even though it might not be your priority, it's mine, and hand them a down payment check, expecting a rate of return, except they give you back the money later, that they don't really fully understand. In segment three, we'll move on to the final financial goal for everyone's life, which of course is retirement, how you can set yourself up for success, and how important it is that you really plan for this big event.
2: You're listening to The Investment Strategy Show with Brent and Scott Bullis, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. We'll get right back to it after this. Get sidelined by TSN 1260. All year long, catch the TSN 1260 sideliner, hitting Edmonton's best community and sporting events. We're handing out cool swag in a white 2018 GMC terrain from Northgate Chevrolet Buick GMC. Everywhere you go, keep your eyes peeled for the TSN 1260 sideliner. Powered by Fatburger, the Ranch Golf and Country Club, and Northgate Chevrolet Buick GMC. From Edmonton's sports leader, TSN 1260. Some things feel really good, like taking in that new car smell (sighs) in a brand new Hyundai. And you'll feel really good, too, by getting amazing clearance prices on select 2018 models. Finance the Tucson 2-litre front-wheel drive for 84 months for $65 weekly at 0%. Now's the time to get into your Hyundai at the Hyundai Final Countdown Clearance. Hurry, once they're gone, they're gone. $28.95 down. Dealer may sell for less. Visit HyundaiCanada.com or your dealer for details. Homeownership takes flight at Aloft Tamarack. There's a lot to love about Southeast Edmonton's newest condo, including a rooftop patio, a community garden, and a designated space for pets. Aloft offers nine brand new floor plans with one bedroom starting from the 160s and two bedrooms from the 240s. Plus elevated upgrades like vinyl plank flooring, quartz countertops, and stainless steel appliances. It's condo living elevated. Register today for exclusive presale incentives at tamarack dot com.
0: You adore your Audi, love your Volkswagen, maybe your Beamer. But when it's time to take her in for repairs, some of that love fades. That's because it can take several days and tons of cash for the dealership to do their magic. Let Cochrane's Automotive rekindle the flame. They'll professionally repair your import, usually in one day. Audi, BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, Saab, and Volvo. Cochrane's Automotive will return her to mint condition Still open Saturdays, don't sweat it. Let Cochrane's Automotive fix your AC. Call 780-452-5001. Welcome back to
2: the Investment Strategy Show, a special financial broadcast on TSN 1260. Here's your financial coaches, Brent and Scott Bullis.
1: Welcome back to the Investment Strategy Show for this August 12th morning. Before I get too carried away, I do want to give a big shout out to my younger sister Teresa. It's your birthday today. I did not miss it. Everyone gets a radio shout out, Teresa you've been a great sister and an actually a really beautiful friend my whole life. So happy birthday sis, I hope it's a good one. For our final segment today we're going to polish off the fir- from the first two segments and talk about how to get ready for retirement. Segment one today we discussed home ownership, in segment two we talked about the best ways to help and the ways not to help your children financially. And those two decisions are monumentally important when you get down the line and it's time to look at retiring from work. As we've discussed previously on this show, many Canadians' dream is to retire early. The ideal number for most Canadians appears to be about 58. And yet, the vast majority don't make it. They actually end up working past 65. And of the people who state they want to work past 65, four to five don't even make it that far because there's reasons they no longer can work. All of these can be taken care of. All of these expectations can be met simply by making sure you're planning properly. So when it comes to retirement, the first thing to do, no matter how old, how young you are, is to please get a projection, a plan done. It is just vital to have a roadmap that you are willing to follow. Now, the reason people don't do this is because we want simple answers. We always do. Uh, A big question we always get, I'm sure all advisors get, is how much do I need to retire? There is no one number. And that's a very unsatisfactory answer. It's much easier if I just say you need $1,218,671. Because then you have a target to shoot for and we don't have to have a conversation again. We just keep investing money till we get there. That's simply not the case. There's a lot of moving parts going on. The earlier you go and get a projection done, the earlier you start making this plan, the more options you give yourself. And options are almost always a good thing. Once you've become, once you have waited, once you've gotten a little older, you really limit what you can and cannot do. You probably cannot retire early. You probably have to downgrade your lifestyle. So go in as early as you can. Come see us so we can talk about all the options and the choices you have. There are a lot of them. And as the show shows, it's not just about how to invest, where to invest. It's some real life basic choices you are making. This personalized ongoing advice is what we specialize in. And there's a reason why we need it. The latest CIBC poll out shows that many people in Canada are woefully underprepared under for retirement. Aged 45 to 64, so let's be clear, these aren't young people. Usually by the age of 45, you're pretty aware of retirement. 32%, nearly one out of three people, had nothing saved. Nothing. An additional 19% of respondents had less than 50,000. Adding up 32 and 19 says we have 51%, or slightly over half of Canadians, aged 45 to 64, that have less than $50,000 saved. This is going to be a very large problem. You need significantly more than that in assets in order to have a comfortable retirement or really to have any retirement. And there's always a reason not to do it. What we often run into at the office is people who think that they're going to save starting in three years, once my student loans are paid off, or five years, once the mortgage is paid, or 10 years, once the kid goes to university. There's always something over the rainbow that's going to allow you to start saving in the future, but it's preventing you from doing it right now. This is a total trap. Do not fall for it come work a budget with us. Let us show you how you can start saving immediately. One of the interesting things about compounding, one of the great things about showing you what it's like if you start saving just five years earlier is often three quarters of a payment is equal to the same amount. So instead of having to save $1,000 a month every month up to retirement, if you start five years earlier, you can usually get away with about $750 a month. That's a huge amount of money you then get to spend in your everyday life every month going forward if you just start saving a little earlier and it's all thanks to the power of compounding interest and the ability of time to recover from jobs. So come talk to us, come talk to your advisor and make sure you get a projection in place. The biggest mistakes we see, why talking to a professional instead of relying on friends and acquaintances for this? When do you take CPP and OAS? People seem to take it very early. The consensus out there is when the government's ready to give you some money, the moment you turn 60, just take the cash. It is a really bad idea. Unless you have a very specific reason why you feel your life will not be that long lived, you really want to wait as long as you can to take both CPP and OAS. The break-even line is about 80. Again, a lot of moving parts. Don't just take my word for it. Make sure you get a plan done for you. But for almost all our clients, if you live past 80, you are better off waiting until you're 70 years old to get CPP, CPP and 70 year old seventy years old to take OAS. And the problem with a decision like this is once you tell the government you want to take CPP, at say 62, and you come talk to us a year later and realize you should have waited, we can't undo the bell. You can't unring that. The government's going to keep paying you and you're going to be missing out for the rest of your time in retirement. So please, like I said, come in early. The next big problem we see from many people who have not saved enough, certainly, is their entire retirement plan centers on working until they are 75. This is a huge problem because four to five retirees who plan to work past 65, as I mentioned, don't actually decide to quit. The number one reason they don't make it is they get fired. Number two is they get laid off. And number three is health reasons prevent them from continuing to go to work. So your plan was, I'm not going to save because I'm just going to keep working. That's not going to work. You're going to end up having to stop working at some point, whether you choose to or not, it's much better if you choose to. If you're prepared to retire at 58, 60, and you want to keep working, that's never a problem. I've never had anyone tell me, Hey, this projection, I ended up with way more money than what it said I would here. I'm really disappointed. That's not a comment we're ever going to get. On the other hand, we do have people come in and say, I just got three months severance and I don't think I'm ever going back to work how can I make this last? How can I make this work in retirement? And you realize that they really haven't been saving enough. So again, the power of options, the power of coming early and making sure you set yourself up for success is really big here. And then of course, the final thing to really remember about retirement is you really can't just look at it financially. We have a lot of clients that are focused on the dollar values and that's important. It's what we do. But I'll be honest, half of the meetings that we come up with are what are you actually going to fill your time with? We see a lot of clients who went to work young, 20 19, 18, even there's been 40 straight years of work and in two years they're going to stop going that's who you've defined who you are you've been you know, someone who goes to work every day takes some vacation maybe but really your job was a part of your identity and we really work with clients to make sure they have a good plan for what are they going to fill their time doing after the first three months when you're through all your netflix queue when you've read all the books you wanted to how are you then going to go transition in the in life to this new period What's your plan and really working on that, thinking about it. Cause I can't just tell you, it's a conversation usually between you and your spouse to come up with an idea of what your family is going to look like, how you're not going to step on each other's toes. So when it comes to the big decisions, buying a home, helping out the kids, retiring, the unifying factors, you really do need a professional and ongoing advice, and that's what we offer at the investment strategies team. Uh, we have over 30 years experience combined doing this, and we've seen all the situations, you're not going to come in, startle us there's no problem we can't work through. So whether it's just to review how you're currently managing your money and whether you're on track for retirement, whether it's realizing you've been with the same advisor for 20 years and never had a plan made, or whether you were thinking that homeownership sounded like a great idea, all my friends were doing it, I don't know what this guy's talking about when it comes to this huge interest payment. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. Visit our website, investmentstrategies.ca, to book an appointment anytime. We're around from Monday to Friday and we love talking to people. I'll be around next week again. Scott is still in on vacation. The show will be all about how you can turn your savings into investments and how those investments can work for you, proper budgeting, why it's so important, and the foundation of any good financial plan. I wish you a great Sunday. And once again, happy birthday, Teresa.
0: This radio show is prepared by Brent and Scott Bullis, who are registered portfolio managers with Hollis Wealth, a division of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. This radio show is not an official program of Hollis Wealth. The views, including any recommendations expressed during this show, are those of Brent and Scott Bullis alone and are not endorsed or approved by Hollis Wealth or Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a registered trademark of Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc. Hollis Wealth is a division of industrial Industrial Alliance Securities, Inc., a member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund, CIPF, and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Brent and Scott Bullis have been your host of The Investment Strategy Show. Join them again next Sunday morning at 8. The Investment Strategy Show is a paid commercial broadcast and does not necessarily reflect the views of TSN 1260 or Bell Media.